This is the Pain Information Network, 54. Welcome back, everybody. Today I have a special guest, Dr. Scott Glazer. He's from Chicago, Illinois. He's got a very active practice up there. And what's great about Scott, he's really down to earth. He's a very likable guy. You can talk to him, you get him, and he's a great presenter of medical information. So I recently had a cornering session. That's what I pretty much do to these guys. I get them in a corner and say, please, podcast, you can't let this information go to the cloud, go to nowhere. Get it out there. So we had a good conversation. There'll be a little background noise. That's okay. We we go where we can go. And we take some of the greatest minds in pain medicine, and we try to merge them into this uh, content. And we hope it helps you. And that's the whole point. So Help us out by going to paininformation.com. Tell me what you need to tell me, what you want, what kind of shows you want me to present. And I read everything. I try to answer as many as I can. Uh, and I really appreciate the feedback. I also go to iTunes and leave a review. That helps us rank and other people can find us. I know it's a broken record, but I really appreciate that. Scott Glazer is fun. He's going to tell you a little bit about himself. And you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, appreciate you coming by. Let's get to it. Today at the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians meeting, I have the privilege and honor to interview a Chicago uh, leader and uh, one of the finest pain physicians I know, Scott Glazer. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott. Oh, Hans, I, I'm honored to be on the podcast with you, and thank you so much for uh, your, your compliments. I don't know how you know that about me, but uh, thank you. And I I love taking care of patients. Uh, I just, uh, you know, there's a lot of administrative things we need to do, but I'm always in, just enjoy taking care of patients. And in Chicago, something that's happened to me over the past 10 years is I'm seeing patients right after they're injured because of my relationships with multiple personal injury lawyers who want to get their patients good care as soon as possible for their own reasons. But what it's shown me is that the interventional pain management uh, physician, the best role we can serve, the greatest benefit that we can have for our patients is seeing these patients as soon as they're injured and quarterbacking their care from that day forward. It's going to reduce, it's going to bend the cost curve for the treatment of spinal pain. I'm just so sure of this, Hans. Absolutely. And this is important. You're talking about access to care. The attorneys that are out there in the world, they seem so methodically hard to deal with and they seem sometimes contentious, but they're not. Most of them and in the vast majority of physicians, yeah, they want to make a good living. We all do. But they do want to take care of people. And when they're in personal injury in particular, they want to put the patient first and their client first. That's exactly right. They are very, very, they're advocates for their patients. They know these people are injured. They know the insurance companies are going to try not to pay for their care. And it becomes a battle from the start, and they need good documentation, appropriate documentation of how this patient who is pain-free was in a car accident, and yes, it was a minor fender better, but it, it injured their neck bad, bad enough to uh, cause a facet joint pain. And this patient now has pain they didn't have before, and an insurance company needs to pay for that, that care of that facet joint. And the problem is that a lot of these patients don't understand what we do, and they don't come to us in the real world 
you know, with people with Blue Cross Blue Shield, but when they talk to lawyers, the lawyers do understand what we do. And it's been a beautiful experience for me because I patients get one, two, three treatments, and they're done. And the majority of these patients get better with our simple treatments. I mean, I love this meeting I'm at and learning all this new stuff, but taking care of patients right after they're injured is just so, so... Uh, uh, it just gives me, it fills me with joy because the outcomes are fantastic. The patients don't fear their MRI. They understand that a lot of the things they see in the MRI are pre-existing and they're just inflamed now. And they get educated by me about the causes of their pain. And we don't need narcotics the vast majority of the time in these patients. And they, and we, we, you know, we don't want to start them on that if we don't have to. And if we do, we educate them about the narcotics so they don't have problems with it. And their pain isn't chronically treated with narcotics. They realize there are procedures that treat the source of the pain. I mean, if you think about it, Hans, only two doctors can treat the source of the pain. You or a surgeon. And any thoughtful individual, any, any, any sentient human being is going to want you or me to treat them before they have a, put a knife uh, in, in their spine to try to treat a, treat a painful inflamed joint. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. It's very gratifying taking care of these folks because... It's the rare person. I know people don't believe this, but it is true. The rare person that doesn't want to get better. A lot of people want to get back to bass fishing. They want to get back to their life, play with their grandchildren and all. They aren't trying to linger. They aren't trying to malinger. They're trying to get back to it. And so what I see in my practice, and I know you see probably a lot more of it, personal injury side, is that... It's our job to keep them from having surgery, wouldn't you say? Oh, totally. That's the ultimate outcome. I mean, the measurement of pain relief, to me, it's kind of inconsequential. It's just that they get enough relief with a procedure, prolonged relief. I'm talking about years or at least months. All the procedures that we perform can be repeated safely. And the surgery is not safe. The risk-benefit ratio is terrible for surgery on the spine any kind of surgery and there are some situations obviously where surgery is required for an inflamed nerve root where a disc is pressing on it but in my practice i'd say that's one in a thousand i mean that's actually quite rare most pain is not related to an anatomic structure pressing on another structure it's inflammation it's biochemical and it's treatable with the with the simple procedures i mean we're learning about very complex endoscopic discectomies those are isolated patients most patients with back pain you do a facet joint injection, you do a nerve block, you do a radiofrequency, you do an epidural, they're good to go. They may not be cured, they may have to have some behavioral modification, but they're not having surgery. That's our ultimate outcome, in my mind, is it controlling is. their pain and keeping them away from something that could radically alter their life for the worse. You can't take surgery back. Exactly. Once it's done, it's done. So the, the most promising thing we can offer now and in the future is minimally invasive ways to kind of jumpstart the healing process, what other techniques do you use? Well, you know, I, I'm here to do, use all I mean, we do stimulators on some patients. And the beauty, again, with these patients, when you see them early on and when it's a personal injury case, is we don't put them in physical therapy for a month before we get an MRI, which maybe your Blue Cross Blue Shield patient has, you know, they has these, these, you know, these insurance companies that are practicing medicine without a license. Personal injury, it's not that way. We get to do what we think's right when we think it's right. Our patients got searing pain and they've been in therapy for two weeks and it's getting worse. Well, they're not going to get better with two more weeks of therapy. So we do the injection then when it's, you know, you don't arbitrarily wait a month or two. And you know what's very interesting, Hans? I think with these new CDC guidelines, is a golden opportunity for 
interventional pain management doctors to grab the you know grab the reins here. We're, everybody's aware of the risk of opioids now. Doctors are only supposed to give three days of narcotics for acute pain. Well, everybody knows not all acute pain goes away in three days. You want that doctor to be giving them the prescription and your card at the same time. This is an ideal time for us to step into the role that we deserve to be in, which is being the quarterback for treating all spinal pain. You're right. Well, entire landscape of uh, pain medicine and just treating those in pain is going to be changing. The number one reason in America that people go to see a doctor, probably nationally or internationally, is I hurt. And it's so easy in a quick six, four, three, two-minute visit to just pick up a pen, write a prescription, and there you go. And I can tell you from doing addiction work, that's how it starts. So we don't want to create a problem. We want to do an end around. And so that's where our interventional stuff comes in. So let's walk through a problem. You have a patient that was hit from behind. And you describe that spondylitic pain, that whiplash. You talk about it's not surgical. You've gotten your studies, and they can't turn their head. They can't go up and down with their head. It hurts, and they can't sleep. Where do we start? Uh, The first thing I'm going to do in a patient like that is an interarticular injection, uh, facet joint injection with steroid and local anesthetic. Uh, There's a lot of folks that are not doing interarticular injections anymore because it's not as successful. There's not as much evidence behind it as there are medial branch nerve blocks and radio frequency treatment. I still do them because it's still something that might work. Maybe they have a lower success rate, but they still have a success rate. I know in my practice you're putting a steroid in an inflamed joint. Sometimes that helps, and you can avoid anything else. You can avoid the radio frequency treatment, but you have three treatments right off the bat that, that you can do in one sequence or the other uh, with the last one typically being the radio frequency of the medial branch nerve that's going to hopefully relieve their pain. Uh, I don't know about you, Hans. You know, we always talk about the need to repeat radio frequency, but I have a lot of patients that get one radio frequency treatment, and that's it. When their pain returns, it's not as bad anymore, and they just get a nerve block or do physical therapy. So the, these are three wonderful treatments right there. Of course, you can do cervical epidural injections for people who are refractory uh, to, uh, to the three treatments I just mentioned. But those are, the, those are the workhorses, those three treatments, at least in my practice. You're right, and we can do it in the lumbar region. We've talked about that. And the, the point I'm, I'm making here is the first thing we didn't do is refer to a surgeon. That's the first thing. And we have options. So I, I guess I'm going to ask you this, then. If I could get across anything of relevance or anything of common sense to somebody that's in pain, seeking help, and they might be a personal injury individual, what do you do day one? How do you start, and what do you go? If you're a patient? If you're a patient or a family member, because it's a family problem. If somebody gets hurt and is potentially going to have chronic pain or a lot of acute pain and just can't get back to work, it's a family problem. That's so true. That is so true. And the first thing you do, in my mind, if I'm that patient, is you go. To, they're going to go to Google. And so you, interventional pain management physicians, have to have a presence uh, on the Internet. And people have to understand what they do. People don't understand what we do. We are exactly like cardiologists for the heart, you know. 
Uh, we treat everything minimally invasively or medication management, behavioral modification to avoid major surgery. That is exactly what a cardiologist does for cardiac problems. And But people don't think of us when they think of their spine. They don't think of spine surgery the way they think of heart surgery. They're not, they try to avoid heart surgery, but they think they don't have that same fear of spine surgery, and they should, and they are getting it, though, because so much spine surgery is being done that almost every family member has a patient or, or a, family, a friend or a family member who's been worse off after spine surgery. So word is getting out, uh, and I, I think the Internet is the way to go. Well, I agree with you, and that's an excellent analogy. The major heart procedures like bypass is going down while minimally invasive cardiology is just going right up, and it's because they have tools. And you're exactly right. You should fear spine surgery because it's a kind of a big deal. Now, you have a good surgeon. You have good surgical in- indication. Yeah, no problem. I mean, there are certain certain criteria that everybody uses to do the right thing for the right reason. But just a knee-jerk reaction, my neck hurts, my low back hurts, send them to the surgeon, those days are gone. I couldn't agree more, and I actually go even farther than you. Even in those patients that have minimally invasive treatments with a great surgeon, they still can have complications. I've seen epidural adhesions occur in less than six months on a guy that had a simple microscopic discectomy, and then he had severe pain returned inject dye through the uh, caudal hiatus, it wouldn't even go up on the right side, the side of the surgery, completely scarred down. So it's, a, you know, the genetics may play a role in this. Some people, you know, a, a simple s- surgery isn't so simple for them because they develop scar more easily than other people. So again, just to me, the thought of taking a knife to try to treat something that's inflamed in our body, I just don't see this lasting very long. I think people are going to dig up our civilization and see this this, this fusion <laughs> hardware in people. They're going to go, what the heck? What did they, they do? I almost <laughs> cursed there. Sorry, but you know, what were they? What was this strange ritual they performed on these young workers? You know, <laughs> uh, I just it, it's going to go. It's going to disappear. It's going to be in the dustbin of medical history. I'm sure eventually, but right now it's flying high, as you saw in that slides by Dr. Manchikati. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just fusions are skyrocketing. Well, right, and you know, uh, where unfortunately, where there is money, so goes the desire. And so I, I would say to any individual that is hurt and it's acute, don't make quick decisions and make thoughtful decisions with sometimes others. What are some of your closing thoughts? Um, well, you know, the thing, the thing about pain management, the beauty about what we do is there's an adage that all doctors have to follow, and that is, above all, do no harm. And in pain management, if things are done correctly, we can avoid harming patients at all. Worst case scenario, we don't make them as good as they would like to be. But we don't make them worse. In spine surgery, surgeons are not following that dictum. They just aren't. And I don't think they would operate on themselves or their mothers the way they operate on others. I mean, above all, you just want to treat people like you treat yourself or your family. And that's what, as pain management doctors, what we try to do. And our procedure, I mean, I'm lecturing today on making a procedure safer than it is right now because I really, I really want pain management doctors to be, treat the spine and have no risk of complications, except for the ones we can't avoid, such as infection. Don't you agree, Hans? Oh, of course. Of course. You know, you said one thing that we, we are interventionalists, but some people are, are just, quote, air quotes, pain management. And... Yeah, pain management can make people worse, and that's unfortunately why we have the CDC guidelines. It's gotten out of control. 
Well, Scott, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, and we're going to have you back. I've had so much fun. I really hope you invite me back. Thank you you very much. Enjoy Chicago. It's finally getting warmer. You're a good friend and a good doctor yourself, Hans. Thank you. Oh, man, thank you. And ditto, ditto. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was a good one, and I told you it was going to be a good one. He's fun to listen to, and he's even a great guy to sit down and have a cup of coffee with. He's one of these guys I learn something with every time I talk to him. He doesn't mince words. He just says it the way it is, and that's what we want because when you have pain, you're just sick of hurting. You want to know what the answers are, and you want conclusions that make sense to you personally. I hope you got that out of Scott today and this podcast, so thanks for coming by, and I really look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks.